Welcome to the Sports Leadership Podcast, where leaders in sport get practical, relevant insight to help them take their leadership to the next level and become leaders worth following. Now for your hosts, Kevin DeShazo and Mark Hodgkin. Welcome to episode 43 of the Sports Leadership Podcast. Really excited for a conversation today. Uh, we are talking to, from now on, and CRI CEO, co-founder, and president, Sue Thaden. Uh, had a great conversation. I've, I've been fortunate enough to know Sue. Uh, she's worked in the in the college tech space um, from now on, so some, some great things uh, with mobile apps. So I've known her for a while, really respected what she uh what she's been doing, and I think it was a really good conversation uh, today. Yeah, she's someone I, I didn't know her, knew, knew of her, um, obviously knew of the organization. I've met some of, some of her team uh, at NACTA and different events, uh, and always came away, I enjoyed time with them, impressed, which gave me kind of an insight into the type of people that, that um, from now on, employees, type of people that she looks for, type of culture that they have. And that's the thing for me, like with culture is, and she mentioned it in the episode, is it's not just in your office, it's in your life, right? It's, it's at home, it's with friends. Um, and so for me, you can, you can tell a lot about organization by the kind of people that you interact with, your interactions with people outside of a business setting. Um, who are they? What are they about? And I've just always really enjoyed people from her organization um, and I've always heard great things. And so um, no surprise, she was an, an incredible guest, amazing insight. I mean, I, I told her afterwards, like, I'm ready to just quit and go work for you. Like, let's, let's <laughs> just make this thing happen. Because uh, she, she truly, like, she just, we, again, we've used this phrase probably 43 out of 43 episodes. Um, she's just a very intentional leader. And she thinks through everything from how they hire people to what they do after they're hired. Um, so it was just, it was a really, really impressive and I think an encouraging episode uh, that you, I think you guys will enjoy. So listen to Sue Thaden of CRI and from now on. All right, so we are joined now by Sue Thaden, the president, CEO, and founder of From Now On and CRI out in Omaha. Um, excited to talk to Sue today about her journey and, uh, and her leadership uh, in the industry. Um, so Sue, welcome to the show, and why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and how you got here. Sounds great, Mark, and thank you, Mark and Kevin, for having me. Uh, I love your sports leadership podcast, and it's exciting to be with you guys today. So uh, CRI is the company we started in 1999. CRI is an IT solutions provider. About 13 years ago, we got into deeper solutions and emerging technology. About five years ago, they started an innovation lab. And as a result of the innovation lab, we pulled out a platform called uh, Fanex, which is how we started the company from now on. And the culture of CRI is gig, get it great. So it's only natural that we would start a from now on mobile marketing and communications platform for college athletics to get it great for fans, communities, sponsors. It's only a natural uh, lift that we would actually start a company like that. I love it. So unique challenges, right? You're running essentially running two companies. So how did, what is, what does your day look like? Um, how do you, how do you, how do you get it great? Right. <laughs> for, for, for both companies, for you as, as a leader, because they're, it's challenging enough to run an organization, um, but to run two different two different brands, two different organizations, brings a unique set of challenges. What does that look like? How do you do that well? Well, I hope I do it well. 
<laughs> I guess we'll start with that. You know, as, as everybody's going to guess, it's the people you surround yourself with. You know, I'm, I feel super fortunate to be surrounded by great leaders, great people. And when I say great leaders, they're curious, they're listeners, they're givers, generous, smart, and super driven, like grizzly bear drive. So for CRI's perspective, we have a fantastic leadership team. Uh, the people that lead the two divisions have been with us over 10 years. And really, I, I just really believe greatly that they're taking the company in the right path. And so my role there is really vision, strategy, uh, culturally being around and supportive and keeping the energy going. But we've got great leaders that I actually just, I support, including a fantastic controller that runs our finance and accounting team. And then um, from now on, I'm deeply Im embedded in on a daily basis. So that's when you say, what's the day look like? It's like everybody, um, as many hours as you're willing to schedule is how busy you are. And ideally with the right things, I try to focus predominantly on uh, strategic partnerships. What are others doing in the industry to serve schools, leagues, teams? What are they doing great? Where do they see it going? Where do we fit in that model? With customers, what are your problems, challenges? What are you trying to get done? How does our technology help that? And if it doesn't, what's our technical gap we need to shore up? So we can help that because we want to be high value to everybody that we work with. I visited you guys out when I was at New Lion and uh, visited you in Omaha and, and remember the, the get it great, you know, not only the, the team talking about it, but also, you know, it on the walls and in places and talk a little bit about how did that come about? Was that, is that your own brainchild? Is that something <laughs> that you picked up along the way? Uh, talk a little bit about what it is and then, you know, how you, how you do it day to day. Great. So yeah, like you, like you said, Mark, gig is on the wall. It's on t-shirts, water bottles in front of me. It's all over the place. We hashtag get it great. You see people wearing those t-shirts every day. And so how it came about, about year three of CRI, we would do annual taglines. And the tagline would be kind of our mantra of, hey, when in doubt, folks, this is how you get behind what the company's trying to get done. So I, we came up with get it great. Hey, when you're caught in a moment with a client, what do you do to get it great? So that client looks back a year from now and says, you guys are awesome. Or with an employee and you're trying to work through a situation, what do you do in that moment? So a year from now, people look back and say, you got it great. And so we tried to give people just a little independent fuel with that. So we had, a, we on our no budget, low budget to no budget, we called a t-shirt company that did a lot of swag for us and said, hey, can you create a get it great t-shirt? And the guy built the gig logo and I'm like, we were a consulting company, gigs. I mean, it just had 15 different definitions. So it was really cool. And those guys were awesome for doing that for us. So the next year we were going to change our tagline and our team's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We thought the ship landed. Every year you're changing our tagline. This is us. We're the gig team. So people really grabbed it. It's simple. You can get behind it. You know, I know we all feel like, hey, what do you mean by this? Or what do you mean by that? So we do a lot of onboarding around gig. What does gig mean? No, number one, you hire people that are naturally wired to take care of others, have fantastic experiences. At the end of the day, go crushed it. You know, you got to hire that breed. And then to get everybody on the same page, we do some onboarding. We read different books. We do some personality and mode of operation evaluation to understand yourself, how you show up. Okay, this is how I show up. So how do I get it great? And, you know, we say get it great for each other. It starts at home. No one wants to be around that fighting couple at dinner. <laughs> so get it great for each other. And then together, get it great for our schools, teams, leagues. And how we do that is we help them serve their fans, their student athletes, their professional athletes, and their sponsors. Show some love to those sponsors as well. So we try to keep it super simple. So everyone just knows, hey, how do I get behind that? Here's how I get behind that. If I'm cutting code to make a great user experience, if I'm talking to a client, how do I make your life better? How are you, what do I do right now so you're happy we're at the table? So it's a, a simple, simple thing, but I think it's, again, pretty easy for people to know how to align with it. 
I, I see a book coming in your future titled <laughs> Get It Great. Um, but I think that's really important because it's, you said a lot of about 20 different things that are just pure gold in that. One, everyone has their phrase, right? Every organization has their phrase or motto. It's slapped on the walls and in emails. And in most organizations, that's all it is, right? And, yeah. and so for you guys to actually like, no, that's not, it's a motto on the wall because we live it. It's not <laughs> a, like, it, it, we lived it before it became the motto on the wall, right? It's like, that, that's who we are. And for your people to say like, no, 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 we're not changing. This is who we are. Like, we're not going to change. Like, that means it, it, it wasn't just talked about, it was lived. Uh, so one, uh, amazing kudos to, to you and the team for like actually living, living that value out and to realize it's not just work, right? It's life. How do you get a great at home? Mm -hmm. Like it, you can be awesome here, but like there are, there are, you know, in, in our world, we'd say you have five, five circles of influence and it's about being great in every circle of influence, right? It's, it's a lifestyle, not, not just your, your nine to five, not the nine to five exists anymore. So I, I think that's, that's really fascinating, but I want to talk about the, the onboarding for culture is such a key piece, right? And everybody says like hire for culture, which, which is true. Most don't. And there's a, there's a phrase I always tell people to run away from. Like if, if you see an organization that says, we want you to be a self-starter or entrepreneurial mindset, like that just means they're not going to onboard you, right? They're going to hire you and say, good luck. Um, we'll see you in six months when we're both frustrated. But you've been really, um, the phrase you use is accidental versus intentional. Right, you're not hoping they they not not just hoping they fit the culture, but you're not just hoping they get the culture. It's like no, we're going to intentionally hire people and intentionally onboard them to say this is our culture. As you get in, this is um, kind of getting the behind the scenes look into your culture. Right, here's who we are as you as you join in. What uh, and that's not normal. I love it, but it's not normal. So what? It's great, is what it is. Right, most people are average. You're you're getting it great. So what prompted that? To say, like, no, if we're going to do it, we have to really do it the right way. You know, people along the way influencing, you know, like you've probably seen all the time, Kevin, and like with your great book, the Keep Chopping Wood nuggets in there. So um, basically how we decided to do it is we have a very, we want to have a great experience. We want to be, you know, it's the experience economy. That's an old word, but people will pay more for a great experience versus, you know, commoditize and check, do these match, do these match, okay, which one's cheaper? We don't want to be in that commodity world. We want to be in an experiential world where we are have unique differentiators on just how we show up, how we take care of you, the ideas we bring, how we make people better when we're at the table. And so to do that, you got to invest in the people and you got to tell them what you mean and what you're talking about. I was in a coaching program in Chicago for years, Strategic Coach. It's an entrepreneurial coaching program. And they taught us this front stage backstage program and it just hit me like like lightning it's like basically you know and, and this is uh dan sullivan's material basically when you go to a play and if you're in the play and the theater's dark and everything's awesome and you're magically in this moment you've escaped to wherever they're taking you and then all of a sudden someone opens the door and that beam of light just takes that screen away from you or that sight of vision away from you it just changed your experience so they really train you to get everybody aware of their impact on the front stage but first of all you have to have to have an intentional front stage <laughs> what are we trying to accomplish folks okay what's your part in it okay let's rehearse 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 i think one thing people uh, when they come on board we go through front stage backstage training and it clicks okay i do have an impact on front stage i do have an impact on our customer our schools athletic departments student athletes fans sponsors i want to be responsible and it also ideally it gives people a feeling their fingerprints are on our success everybody's impacting the success that we have our schools have our programs have so teaching people that front stage backstage and then utilizing it hey guys let's prep so that here's the front stage we're trying to accomplish tomorrow with school x League X, 
How are we going to accomplish that? Here's your part. Here's my part. Let's Let's dress rehearsed. And if you dress rehearsed, I believe you're allowed to be more intentional in the moment. If you're figuring it out as you go, your brain is firing next, 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 and nobody's listening, nobody's absorbing, the relationship's not happening. So we really take, uh, you know, just like sports, you know, practice, 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 so you can get, you know, last four quarters on the court. And we want to make sure we make it till, you know, four quarters and beyond the press conference as we win afterwards. <laughs> so we're super intentional about that culture that we're creating. That's awesome. And, and when I was doing a little bit of research uh, on your background, um, realized you started CRI when you were really young. I, mean, I think I, uh, <laughs> you were younger than 30. And, and I'm always interested in how people decide to take that jump. Like, how, how do you, at some point, you realize there's a better way to do this than, than is being done right now. And you take that jump, and it's, it, there's a lot that goes into it. It's, it's, a, it's a leap of faith. You need to be very um, smart about it. You have to see a need. You have to know how you're going to attack it. But talk a little bit about what helped you make that decision to go and start your own thing, especially, like I said, at, at a pretty young age? Well, yeah, I uh, had no intention of being in management. It really wasn't in my, in my dream. Uh, so that wasn't the plan. But I worked for a company that was a great company. And I was a sales rep. And I was working doing technology solutions for people in a consulting capacity, selling consulting services. And we were a great company. And when I say great company, we took care of our employees. We loved our clients. You're in the grocery store and you see a client and you wave and you smile and you're proud in that aisle. And then we were bought by another company and it was really cool. It was a bigger company and we had new logos and we're like, awesome. We're part of this big giant thing. It's super cool. Then we were bought again and that culture became very bottom line driven. And I no longer felt that pride of being in the aisle and waving at my client. And I kind of felt like we were going to change the way we took care of clients and employees. And it didn't match my DNA. I don't want to hide on a soccer field sideline. And so I said, hey, you know what? Maybe I'll go do this myself. And I bought BizPlan for Dummies. <laughs> and I uh, was fortunate to um, raise about $500,000 from four, invest four friends and family friends, not family. And then uh, was fortunate to get a couple key people on board and we started CRI. And the reason really was uh, we want to, it's a means to an end. It wasn't, I wanted to start a business. I wasn't looking to be a CEO. I wasn't looking to be in management, but I truly believe that if you can provide people a quality environment to work where they can grow, they feel developed, they feel team spirit and trust, sky's the limit. So I was really after the atmosphere. And so, you know, unfortunately, like I said, we've been able to bring on some great leaders over the years, people that have developed into leaders in our company, and, and they're creating that atmosphere. We're all doing it together. I love that. Most things, we, we, again, we talk about intentional versus accidental all the time. You know, I, I love that we, we don't always, we can plan life however we want, right? But then things, things happen and we end up, we didn't want to be in management, didn't want to be a CEO, didn't want to start a business, but we just did. And it, and it made sense. And we, we wanted something else, but here's where we ended up. But I want to talk about from now on. So what, what birthed that? Um, what, why did you see a need for, for from now on? What, what need does that fit? Um, and what role is that playing in, in the college athletics landscape today? I know you, I think you're in high school sports as well, right? Yeah, we're doing some minor league. We're a uh, minor league and a little bit of professional college and a little high school. Um, so, boy, the, the story of the birth of it, if that's a good place to start, CRI, as we mentioned, our parent company started an innovation lab about actually six or seven years ago. And the rules of the innovation lab, which from now on now has one, is it's got to be emerging technology and either good for our clients or good for the greater community, the project that you pitch. So you pitch a project to the innovation team. If they say go, you draft players from our development center to be on your team. 
and you go to town on, on building out some fun technology that you think is valuable. And uh, so the guys were building out some technology and take it back six years ago for mobile and wayfinding and geofencing. The University of Nebraska at Omaha was right us, is right outside our window. They were building an $80 million facility for hockey and indoor sports. And they were also reclassifying from D2 to D1. Uh, their hockey was D1 and they were going to hang the Frozen Four banner, just like 50 beautiful things were happening for the school. And we love UNO. And so we reached out to their athletic director and said, hey, we think we got an idea. This platform our guys are building in our innovation lab could really trick out your communication, separate your brand, generate some revenue. And so just the way business and innovation goes, we had about 42 meetings to, to land the ship on what we're talking about. What problem are we solving? There's beautiful and there's beautiful that solves problems. We needed to be B because <laughs> that creates value and that makes you important at the table and valuable at the table. So uh, long story short, we, we launched that with UNO and said, hey, let's grab this platform, FanX, out of CRI's innovation lab and start from now on. It's a totally separate business. The reason we separated it, CRI is a technology company that's not industry or vertically focused. They do major banking mobile, they do retail, they do transportation, healthcare, fuel and energy. And from now on is very much a very specific industry focused platform. So we wanna eat, sleep, breathe who we're serving. So we pulled it out and separated it built the platform out for UNO, great experience. And then we really dove into solving the problem. And what our schools tell us they really value about the platform, we survey twice a year, formally, we get feedback daily, which is a beautiful thing. It's, it's funny how if you listen to your customers and do what they tell you, they're probably right. <laughs> if you hear something five times, you probably should do it tomorrow. And so we really try to listen closely, but number one, they love that it drives revenue directly and indirectly directly in that we have placement opportunities for sponsors uh, throughout the app. Beautiful placement opportunities that align with high value to the fans so that the fans like, man, this is my brand in my pocket. This is cool. Oh, there's, you know, insurance company X. And then indirectly, uh, we've been doing mobile ticketing for years and a, a way to promote ticketing, merch, concessions, and all those great things that drive revenue and venue. Whole topic on what you touched on, Kevin, what's our role now? And then, um, you know, schools love that there's a great, we have a communication platform that we hear is second to none, the notification platform. A lot of segmented, personalized notification opportunities. People want to be close to their team, but my team might be volleyball, not, not football, or my team might be football, not basketball. So let's create those intimate, in-the-pocket experiences that these schools are capable of. And, you know, one thing that I've learned over the last few years, and I kind of knew it, uh, but... Every school has amazing, cool tradition, cool branding, unique mascot stories, and fans love it when they hear it. And they feel closer, they feel more connected, they feel that, like I always say, like kind of in the kitchen relationship versus out on the curb. And so the ability to connect those cool traditions and stories with all those fans so that they can have the most utmost relationship with these schools that are doing cool stuff is a huge thing we hear all the time, that notification platform opportunity. And then the ability to um, demonstrate their brand again, like that. And then analytics, we have some great analytics to be able to say, hey, who's your fan? What are they doing? What do they like doing? How do we give them more of what they want? Hey, while we're doing that, how do we show love to the sponsors? Let's again, keep those sponsors close so that we can generate revenue. Um, and so that's really what the, our platform, you know, just high level, what our platform does. We took the, the, we took the approach to be kind of the concierge. We're not going to change your ticketing platform. We're not going to change your, con your concessions. We're not going to change your merchandise relationship. Any of that's going to stay as it is. We're just beautifully going to sit on top of it. And hey, here's the next game. Click and watch. Click and listen. I don't have to go look for that, that URL or that thing on the website. And the, the 
Good news, we have been work, working on, you know, we're very native mobile. So if you think about the minute you leave your house to the minute you go home on game day, we've got mobile parking passes, although people may do ride share and look for the queue there. We've got mobile ticketing. We've been doing for years. Mobile game day programs. You know, you don't want that guy having to hand it back and forth, hand cash back and forth, that man or woman. And then we've got um, mobile merchant ordering and we're partnering up pretty tightly with um, venue next to do some in mobile ordering. They have, they're a beautiful company and he's comfortable with me. Anthony's comfortable with me bringing that up to do kind of shore up that gap for touchless game day. So we really take it. We're taking a, a pretty, a pretty strong position, a valuable position to say, Hey guys, we are, we owe it to our schools, to our fans, to the people showing up to do everything we can to contribute to that safe game day. We need more seats and chairs. Empty seats don't buy hot dogs, right? Empty seats don't scream at the student athlete to give them that raging experience that they remember the rest of their life. So how do we help create that safe environment to get more people in the stands? We, we're taking it seriously. I think we're in pretty good shape, but you know, we're not sitting still. We're not, you know, not sitting still at all on that. Yeah, so much good stuff there. And that's a topic I could talk about with uh, with you all day, Sue. Um, it's, really, <laughs> it's really interesting. And um, wondering what you see, you know, the next step being like, how is this evolving? And, and I guess... With what we've seen with, you know, the whole spring season and basketball cut short with the, the coronavirus outbreak, um, how do you think, how do you think it changes what, uh, what clients are looking for in an app and, and how do you evolve with it? Boy, uh, I, I wish I had the exact answer, but I'll tell you, we are every day making decisions based on what we learn. And we're fortunate we do a number of championships for the NCAA, and they've been great at sharing some of their scenarios. It's not confidential. Um, what are they anticipating? So I think the answer is we don't know what fall looks like. But what we do know is uh, we've worked for years to do everything we can to get everybody in venue. That is no longer going to satisfy the masses. It's no longer our number one goal. I'm sure it's our number one goal. Let me back up. It's probably still our number one goal, but that goal right behind it, maybe 1A, 1B, is fans that can't come that want to. you got season ticket holders that it sounds like may not make it, may not be able to go to the games. You've got the general admissions that are, are not going to be sold for a lot of stadiums for football this year. How do you get that fan still feeling game day? What's that thing? So, so really, we've kind of broken into three columns. You've got no games. How do we stay valuable for schools? They still have things to communicate. You don't want to lose that conversation with your fan. And then you've got limited, uh, no fans, and you've got limited fans. So we're really looking at what are the things that can keep that fan connected to feeling like they're in the venue and they can't be in the venue. And that's a new thought for all of us, which, you know what, I welcome new thoughts. I think it's kind of fun to go, okay, that got flipped over. Now what are we going to do? <laughs> so we're really working on whether it's gamification or bringing tradition or bringing fight songs and various gamification things you can do from home that make you feel part of that halftime show, part of those cool things that go on at tailgate. So we're playing with a lot of different things with our partners at the table for all of these conversations. And um, I, th I think every it's really neat. I, I always I always love the in college athletics, there's a generosity amongst each other. How do we help each other? Let's share some ideas. And I, I think that's an amazing spirit. And to see that spirit fueling everyone sharing on this topic, unbelievable. You know, I've worked in more corporate America for years and bank A and bank B aren't doing that. No, not at all. <laughs> I actually don't know if I recommend it either. So I'm not at all critical as much as, hey, we got this. So there's this amazing spirit behind college athletics that I think we're going to with everybody's heads together, just still create great experiences for fans as best we can. We need to keep them at the table. I mean, we're watching cornhole and everything else. Everybody's, you know, ready for some activity. <laughs> we're, we're watching marble racing in my house. <laughs> I heard that so. on, 
podcast. That's so funny. Dude, it's, it's so good. My kids, no joke. So they've, my wife went out and bought like tracks. So they built marble rack, marble cool. track races, like in our, in our house. Like she got on Amazon, bought them marbles. They've created their own like DeShazo marble league, <laughs> like <laughs> graphics and all. It's, it's insane. Like we need, we need sports. You um, can get some sponsors. I bet Kevin. That's, that's right. <laughs> like we're going to make some money off this thing. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. I mean, they built out little Lego, like here's the announcers and here'd be the camera looking down at the track. And it's, it's nuts. That is um, cool. The next season, by the way, starts, I believe on ESPN in 11 days. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't know that. Uh, yeah. So this has been, you know, the, the, the easy, not easy question to answer, but the easy question for us to ask has been, how have you led during this COVID-19 season? It's flipped everything on its head. Um, it's not normal for anybody. Uh, it's, it's adversity. Right. And, and for whatever, whatever industry and, and the adversity could be growth, right? Like if you're zoom, like you're facing adversity because everything's exploding on you. Um, so there's adversity from pain and adversity from, from gain. Um, but what, what does this season look like for you as a, as a leader and as two organizations and how have you tried to maintain perspective and, and keep your people connected, keep them positive um, to, to intentionally lead through this season of adversity? Well, uh, it's definitely uh, learn as you go, observe people that are doing awesome things and model their behavior, isn't it? But what we did pretty quickly, I've, I'm pretty comfortable making decisions off of very little information. So evidently that serve, can serve well in this situation. So we really right out of the gate said, okay, folks, what's important for our company is everyone feels safe. And the word feels is a tough one. They feel safe. Number two, they feel engaged. They feel part of something. They get out of bed every day and they're like, I'm on that team. This is my purpose. I'm part of this thing. Every day they got to get out of bed feeling that. And ideally when they lay their head on their pillow, there's a little bit that, you know, this is my team. I'm part of something. I'm not just sitting in my living room, part of this house. I'm part of that thing over there. And I I feel my fingerprints on it and I feel my heartbeat from it. And then third, uh, productive. Everybody needs to feel like, man, I got something done. I crushed it. I, I drove that to the finish line. And so every day I meet with our leadership team, we do a Zoom. And quite frankly, uh, my husband laughed after about a month. He's like, you guys are small talking. I said, you know what, Rick, we're not catching coffee. You're not going by standing in Kale's door saying, hey, man, what's going on? Our days, a lot of people start with that. We're catching a coffee together. We're walking down the hall to grab something. I'm standing in your doorway. There is so much of that, and I feel it's critical to the soul and to belonging and connectedness, and I can catch energy off of you, Kevin, and boy, that just changed. I was kind of flat. Now I'm, I'm pumped. So every morning we do a Zoom, and we just do a, hey, how's, it, how's your team? How are you? It's probably 60% social. Funniest thing last night... My dog went nuts in the neighbor's yard or, you know, it's, but that's what you do in your office in the morning, a little bit of it. You know, I'm talking five, 10 minutes, but then we go through, Hey, safe. We, we were really graceful in how we had people go home. Right. We all were really graceful about that. We got to go, we got to work remote. Let's not screw that up. Let's, let's build on it. Let's take care of people. And, and so that making sure they're connecting with their people and seeing them and talking to them on a daily basis. And again, the engaged, we're doing a lot of things. We do these, it's called a icebreaker trivia and it comes out once a week and your whole team answered questions in advance. And you get a question, you get three questions once a week and you guess which team member answered them. And so we tried to create that. I created a, a Sue got a minute. 
I love a good drive-by. I love when someone pops in and it has nothing to do with what was on my calendar. And maybe I even get to go follow them back to where they're working in the workspace. And so I created a Sue Got a Minute. I do two hours a week and anybody can pop on my Zoom and just, hey, can I run this by you? Or, hey, I just saw so-and-so on a Zoom and he said to say hi. Just whatever it is, just, and it's probably selfishly for me more than anybody else, but people jump in and they'll share ideas or bounce a situation off of me or whatever. But just a lot of connection. And I feel like the more... We proactively connect through anything we can video, although, man, we've all had that fatigue where you feel like your eyes are crossing, and all of a sudden you're shouting through your wall because <laughs> for some reason we all think we need to yell at our laptop. But <clears throat> so anything we can do to, to create, and you know, like, like you're now, Kevin, let's have some fun, man. This is still our life, and, and we're clay, and let's mold it to be what we want it to be. So we're still trying to have some fun. We've always, we're keeping some traditions we've always had. We've always done a Roar at Forum Friday. All our divisions come together in the pub. We provide spirit, beer if you want it, pop if you want it, whatever. And we spend an hour of just, you know, shutting down the week, sharing a couple highlights. What are you doing this weekend? Just that connection point of, again, what am I part of? We've maintained that. And then we've just maintained a couple other things. We do these happy hours for different occasions, and we've tried to maintain those. So it's really, I think it's important for people to, again, feel that, I don't mean to be repetitive, but I, I, literally, I do believe it, to feel safe, um, engaged, and productive. You know, it's, it's so easy right now to get out of bed and feel like it's Groundhog's Day. And as leaders, I think we got to be there telling them it's not. But you got to do it by showing them, having stuff in front of them. I, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the J-curve. They talk about the J-curve. When a company has a critical change and they're going through transition, the leaders know we're going to go and we're going to be better after this. We're going to be, this is where we're going because they've been thinking about it for a year. The employees are like, what in the world just happened? I think there's monsters under my bed. I think somebody just moved my cheese. I think the world's changing. And when you're in the J-curve, they say, communicate often what matters right now. Communicate often what matters right now. And so I think our leadership team has been fantastic at trying to communicate often what matters right now. And I think that that hopefully helps everybody settle a little bit and, again, feel that sense of accomplishment at the end of the day. But by no means do we think we're experts or should be, you know, leading the way, but we care about our people, we care about our customers, and every single day we show up knowing that we have a big role to play in people's lives and let's go crush it. I love that. I mean, I, I, there's so many things that kind of feel so long ago that we take for granted, like you mentioned, getting coffee in the morning with somebody, um, those little conversations, you know, um, a lot of my team is remote um, out in California and on the West Coast, and, and it's tough to build that in. So I like hearing about, you know, how do you make the calls a little bit more fun? It's very easy to not be engaged on Zoom calls or, or even just conference calls where, you know, it's a daily check-in. So bringing a little bit of fun to it, I think is really neat. You know, we had another guest, uh, Brian Bedford from Cisco, who talked about that a few episodes ago saying, you know, he he brings in kind of a, an off-the-wall idea every every. Uh, day on the call, you know, whether it's a, a trivia thing or a scavenger hunt or a few of the other things you mentioned, I'm forgetting right now, but he said, it's important to have it still feel fun and still feel connected because, you know, the team is, you don't know what their situation is. I mean, some people are home with their family and that brings yeah. stress. Some people are just alone and they don't have any, you know, person with them, especially when they're in the real lockdown stages of this thing. So love to hear that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and I, we found when we first started Zoom, sorry to jump in, Mark, it was, or maybe I've, I've, I struggled with this. We, when everyone got on, you go. When everyone's done, you go. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, man, I'm so happy to see you. Can we talk a little? And I, I felt myself, like, instead of a full bucket, maybe a dripping a little bit bucket, not as full as I wanted at the end of things, because you saw these people, but you didn't really walk to the meeting together 
or walk out of the meeting together. And so I, it feels like people have started to just allow a little more of that to happen, a little small talk, personal contact, because we, there's no meeting after the meeting anymore. Well, and we, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like our team, we, we would call that third gear, kind of in our language of being present, productive. Third gear is just social, just hang out, connect, where you're not talking about work. You're not going, it's not coffee with a friend or date night, like where you're going deep. It's just, hey, what'd you do for the weekend? What, what like, and and we have we do a 30-minute Zoom call once a week for our team, where it's just a 30-minute third year. You can't oh, talk about work. You can't talk about COVID. Like, we just talk about life. And and I think in this season, things have become, because we don't have this stop in and interrupt us and meet in the break room, like, everything has become unintentionally transactional yeah. about, about the business instead of relational. And it's not on purpose, right? So we, we know we care about our people, but because it's Zoom, it feels like, well, we're on the call. We got to get got to get down to business. So even just starting, I mean, we, we would say every meeting should start in person or online. Should start with with third gear. Just connect. Hey, how's it going? Because that just lowers tensions, right? And builds that connection and relationship. And then, okay, now that we're connected, now let's get to it. And so I love like that's just a that's a, a priority, and it's what you naturally do. It's like we'll get to the execution, we'll get to the business stuff, but we're still people, and I don't get to see you like I used to. So we're going to take some time to hang out and connect. I think that that's so valuable. I love that. I, if you don't mind, I'm going to use it. That third gear, you know, the, absolutely. Have, it, it's so, there's so much to that. You obviously had insight there. The, we do a two word check-in in our leadership meetings, you know, um, excited, nervous, or distracted, whatever, because as we all are the same, you guys are total leaders in this. If you don't know how someone's coming into this room right now, you, you really don't know what all's at the table with you. And if someone just was up all night because their kid's sick and they're working from home and they didn't get away from the sick kid because there's, you know, whatever, I, I think we need to just be very, as much as ever, hopefully we always had that trait, very aware of what people are bringing to their situation. And some people are good at shaking it and diving into the moment. And some, man, they just, you know, it's harder for a lot of people right now to shake it. Yeah, and the communication's different. I mean, the thing you would just lean over, you know, somebody else's cube and say, hey, I have a quick question about this. It feels different having to either Slack them or send them a message or make a phone call or set up a meeting. So there's so much that's kind of lost um, as we go to this. But are there anything that you picked up from this thing we were kind of forced into that you think you'll expand and continue on once you get back to quote unquote normal, back to the office? It's funny. Uh, we're trying to we're trying to note what we can pick up, and a couple different things. If I could expand on that, we've been talking about what are the things we've always done. Let's say in sales that are valuable, and I'll even touch on CRI. What are the things you're always doing with your customers that are valuable? They're very face to face in that business. Okay, those circle those most valuable touch points. Now, how do we create them now? Don't say uh, can't do that. You can. How do you create it now? How do we do these drive-bys? And so we've talked to our sales team, and I think it's actually a good idea. It's to, your, to what you were saying, Mark. We've, it feels weird to just call someone out of the blue. It's almost like rude anymore. It's, um, it's like you're stopping by their house or something. But I think people welcome it. I find people more addressable than they've been. And so we're telling our sales reps, ask for a 15-minute, hey, man, I missed the drive-by. I used to see you in your office when I was heading to this meeting. Got 10 minutes tomorrow? And people are saying yes. And I think... The, it's so critical. And this is, I think, a little bit of your book, Kevin, uh, the keeping that same level of relationship, that same pattern of communication. Now we're, we're seeing business We're we've closed a lot of business in the last two weeks, like a lot more than I expected. And I'm super proud of our team, really excited for the schools we're working with. People want to keep moving. And so we, you know, we've all kind of gone through it, right? We were this polite, shy, nervous, I don't know about shy, but 
what's happening. Let's take care of people. And now I think we're all kind of getting back to Grizzlies. Let's get to business and let's go help schools and let's help drive and support the decisions they're making and, and plan for what we don't know. But I think the things that we're going to take forward is the things we did in the past, we can't say we can't do them. So there was this podcast, and I can't think of who the guy was. It was early on in this whole um, remote workforce thing. And he talked about this isn't a snow day, and you're going to go back to school. It's not, a, it's not winter, and tulips are going to pop up. This has changed. And he said, and this stuck with me, and our team's been using this framework. He talked about um, who you serve has not changed. So let's say we, school, we serve schools, sponsors, fans. And why we serve them has not changed. Communication, um, connectivity, sponsorship. But how? Blow it up and start over. And quite frankly, I welcome that freedom. <laughs> so I think to your question, Mark, what are, we, what are we learning from this to do different? Let's get over the how. Why? We all know that's you know great book. Great leaders start with why. And so let's really lead with that pretty heavily and, and put that in a lot of the rooms we're in. Why? 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 Okay, let's go do it. So I think going forward, we need to be really sensitive on getting too stuck on what we can do and can't do because of structure or because of the way we're working. Let's, what do we got to get done and why? And let's get it done. So I think that we've had a lot more conversations as a whole group around that topic than we probably did before because you get your process, you get your structure, it's working, there's no disruptor, you know, popping in the cheek a little bit as you're trying to do your work. But now we've had disrupt, you know, disruptors popping us everywhere. So let's, let's just figure out how we do it. Let's not say we can't. I think that's so important because it's the the how has freaked people out. That's that's <laughs> that's become so much heavier than the why, right? It's like like you said, we know what we do, we know why we do it, we know who we're doing it for. All that's still true. Like that that hasn't changed. Yeah. And 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 you know, there's a grace period of kind of having a freak out moment of like, <laughs> oh gosh, now what, right? But for a lot of people, I was on the on a call with a client last week, and they realized like we're 12 weeks into this. Okay, well for depends on where you are. It could be longer. It could be less, but it's like, yeah. you're still complaining 12 weeks in it's like not, and not to be like insensitive to people. It's like, there, there's a grace period. Right. But it's like, yeah. we're 12 weeks in, like, like you get a few days and, and depending on your situation, maybe a few more days, but it's like we're 12 weeks in. So, and we can keep talking about, well, we can't, we can't, we can't. Okay, great. What are we going to do? What, what can mm-hmm. we do? We still, we still have a purpose and it hasn't changed. And, and it's really interesting. And I, and part of it, I think, I, is for me clearly just listening to you is just based on your personality. You're totally fine with innovation, disruption, change. You're like, bring it. Let's go. Like, that's where you thrive. The repetitiveness, like, that's actually kind of boring. And, and that's going to impact certain leaders, right? Different personalities to yeah. operate in different ways and change. So if you're a really rigid leader, this could have been a really stressful time for you, which is going to multiply that stress into your team, right? But for you to say, I'm not here to say this is fun, but I'm cool with change. We'll figure it out. That kind of calmness and and optimism multiplied like all right she's not worried she's not freaking out okay great we can get get through this um so i think that's that's actually really important in, in knowing your personality in, in, the, in the midst of all this but everybody's just you you said we can't we can't complain about what we can't do right we still have we still have to, we, we want to talk about being innovative and adaptive um and and figuring things out being problem solvers but then when adversity hit nobody wants to do, wanted to do that Right. It's like we just wanted to focus on all the negative. It's like, no, all the things we said we cared about, like, let's actually make, make sure we're doing those things and being innovative and adaptable. Um, so I think that's that's it's just fun to see that and to see those who are doing it. And it's and it's weird to talk about, too, like. Like we've had 30 percent growth since COVID hit. It's like that's a I, weird thing to talk about because people are, are people are really frustrated. Right. Like that's not true for everyone. Right. Um, but it doesn't happen on accident. It happens because you figure it out and you adapt and you adjust and say, 
your who and what and why is still the same, right? It's just how we're going about it. And um, I, you know, Kevin, I listened to one of your podcasts and you were talking about it felt guilty to say I'm doing good. Yeah. Isn't that so weird? It is. I totally agree. I was like, man, I, t- I totally fell on the same page. And uh, you know, on, on the flip side, there's a lot of grizzly bears that are like, I want to go eat someone's lunch. Give me right. permission. Right. So I think if we always have good manners and yep. we conduct ourselves professionally and politely, let's go eat some lunch. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you can take ground. It's like, and, mm-hmm. and the other piece, what we've been talking about with leaders is like taking ground may not mean business. It may mean learning to rest. That, that may be taking ground personally, yeah. right? Like better doesn't mean, doesn't have to be a burden. People, well, you got to learn how to climb a mountain and learn a different language. And people are like, I'm just trying to figure out like how I'm going to get on this call at eight o'clock. But that's okay. You know, whatever your situation, you can still get, get better. You just have to figure out what better means yeah. and what growth looks like. Um, Cause it doesn't have to be a burden. Um, Want to switch gears a little bit uh, and talk about women in leadership, and especially women in sports, but but women in leadership. And, and you have daughters, so a they have an example of a um, not just a successful woman as a mom, but successful, confident, who's built something, who's who's developed and grown other people. So a that's an example. You don't get to talk about that. You've like girls have done it, right? I'm doing it. Like this isn't this isn't like theory. Mom's done it. Um, which gives them gives them confidence. But I want to talk about what you've, you know, you have a different experience than all of us, right? Like we're, we're two guys. We have leadership experiences, work experiences. You have a different path. Um, what is that? How as a woman, how, how, what's, how's your path shaped you and some unique experiences that you feel like you've had just because you're a woman and how are you intentionally like trying to raise up women leaders, whether it's your daughters or, or other people? Wow, this is such a um, it's such an important and such a hard topic. I've, whenever I'm asked, like, what's a woman? So prior to sports, we were all technology. So what's it like to be a woman leader in technology? And you know, I've only been a woman leader in technology. So part of me has to pause and say, I, I don't know the other side of it. So I feel very sensitive to represent what I you know speak. I think you guys get my point. I don't want to uh, miss that there's a whole you know men in, in leadership, African Americans and whatever. Everybody's got their spot, but nonetheless, it, you're you're question is probably a really good one. About seven or eight years ago, I was contacted by the University of Nebraska at Omaha, their head of their College of Technology, the dean and associate dean, and they and I, we do internships and we have guys speak over there. And, I, and he came over and met with me with a couple people from the university and the community and said, hey, we want to start a women in IT initiative and we would like you to chair it. And I was like, what? chair of women in IT initiative. I happen to have lunch with a couple of clients. This is CRI days and, and, and bounce it off male CEOs. And they're like, are you kidding me? Of course you have to do it. So anyway, as I, I took the position and they've done amazing things, we've started this code crush program where we have over 150 young females on campus twice a year to introduce technology career paths and, and have them look at someone that looks like them that did it and hear what they experienced. And so this is going to sound funny, but I have learned more about the role I need to play by listening to these eighth grade, ninth grade girls ask questions and I'm like, oh, that's what they're wondering. That's what I should talk about. That's what they don't understand. That's what we should talk about. Um, you know, at the risk of sounding like I don't have my own plan, I believe that has informed me on my role. And I get out of bed every day saying, well, how do I serve everybody around me? And part of it is you listen to what they need and you address it if you can. And if you can't, you help them address it otherwise. So I feel very strongly about being a, a, a role model in general and, and giving back to others. I've had phenomenal mentors along the way, still mentor. I mean, my three daughters teach me different things all the time because they're so different from me. And, and then I learn, you know, so, and the intentionality question I think is a really big one. 
I think I used to dismiss what I had to offer a young, uh, young person in their career, man or woman. And I think, um, now I'm more conscious if I try to be, and I apologize to those I haven't been, but if someone asks me a question, I might answer it briefly. Now I try to pause and make sure I understand the root of what they're trying to understand. And maybe it's because they like the path that I've been on. You know, I'm set, I'm a little bit bashful on that kind of topic. But um, when we started this Women IT Initiative, this is maybe a point that I feel is very important. They're like, okay, pick seven women. I said, I don't think it's eight women on this committee. He's like, oh yeah, it's women in IT. I said, but the men at the table are what's going to advance this whole mission. I don't think it should be all women. And they kind of argued. And so we got this chief information officer from a company out of New York City on the board because they have a big presence in Omaha. And I got, he was the first one we asked. And at the first meeting, he's like, I'm so grateful this is men and women because as men, we feel a role in this and we want a voice in this. We want to help. So I don't think you can ever underestimate who around the table can impact the change. But I think that everybody has a role in, in supporting women leaders, supporting young women, supporting young men, supporting a Hispanic African-American. And so I guess it's a weird time to ask a question like that. But I think we all just need to bring it every day all the time. Offer what you have, share what you have, be present. So I try to be really more intentional and I don't, I can't say I have a, like this annual goal and this strategic plan. I take it more as in every single little moment. You know, I drove up here, the, I went on a road trip last week. We've got a couple kids in our bubble and one of my daughter's friends was in the front seat and she was asking me a lot of questions. And I was like, wow, she is really curious to have these conversations. So I don't know. My answer is trying to be intentional it's that, that muscle memory, that little twitch that makes that athlete the superstar. I think as leaders, responding to that in a mental way is pretty important. Yeah, I think one of the things that's definitely come out of the last couple of weeks, obviously a lot of things going on um, in the country. And I think what Kevin and I have talked about this a lot, either on previous podcasts, but also just in text, you know, the last couple of weeks as we, we talk to each other about what's going on. But it's the importance of listening to people who come from a different experience than us yeah. you know, and, and being able to, to, to do more listening than talking, uh, to, to understand that people are going to see things differently the way based on their experience, based on their upbringing, based on their, their gender, their, their race, their ethnicity, uh, whatever it is. And Kevin alluded to it. We're, you know, two white guys and, and, you know, our experience is going to be different from others. And we've talked about how we can do better to listen. Is that, mm-hmm. is it a listening? How, how can, people, how can men in this example, help women develop as leaders in a way that's, that's genuine, that's, that's, uh, that's impactful. Um, because you mentioned that there's a, there's a role to play by everybody. It's not just, yeah. uh, you know, a women leadership issue, but how can, how can others, you know, be better allies in, in making this, uh, mm-hmm. it's a better situation. Boy, I, I, I'm, I don't, I don't have the answer and I actually mm-hmm. haven't thought a lot about men go to your part at all by any stretch. I've never thought that. And I actually haven't felt uh, I don't think I've laid my head on my pillow often saying, man, I'm a woman. What a disadvantage. I actually don't feel that way. And um, I feel a lot of gifts in where I am in the world. So I just to frame mentality. I had to, maybe you guys have heard this. I had a leadership coach, um, lots of coaches, slow learner. And she talked about the beach ball. So Kevin sees blue, Mark sees yellow, Susie's red whoever sees the other color, we all are right. So the more I can get you to help me understand the color you see with a genuine openness of comprehending and, and acknowledging with less bias, 
the better we can see the whole beach ball and the better we're going to make, you know, innovative decisions, launch products that more people adopt, get the buyers at all levels at the table, you know, merchandise and food and all those industries work hard to make sure they have as much diversity as they can. It might be a woman, an African-American, a, 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 whoever buying that macaroni and cheese. So do we appeal to all those people in the way that we're marketing and branding? So that beach ball has really stuck with me. And you guys, I know listening to some of your stuff and Mark, we've known each other a while. We also have an EQ coach and um, she's a leadership development coach. And she, when this whole thing broke out, we had her do about eight sessions for us and our clients. And um, she did a lot around triggering, watching your trigger. Hey, do you feel that like you're breathing hard and all of a sudden your brain goes dark and it shuts off to all inputs except the one you're mad about. And you no longer pause to understand that stripe in the background of the stripe and why you see blue, why you see it that way. And so if we can shut those triggers down, which is super hard, sometimes easier than others, and shut those triggers down, and take all the inputs with as much, as little bias, prejudice as possible. It just helps us understand. Now that's a probably years of therapy for most people. <laughs> but long story short, I think that beach ball thing, I even use it with parenting. Sometimes my kids, like my one daughter wanted to go somewhere and I laid out 10 rules and she's like, oh, don't worry, mom, I'm not going. I'm like, why aren't you going? I don't even remember the rules. I'm going to break a few. And I thought, oh my gosh, she's right. <laughs> So just, you know, understanding that color that they're looking at and trying to then get them to understand your color because leadership's about influence too, right? Not just yeah. taking it in, but also influencing the outcome that you think is best for everybody involved. Well, it's interesting. I, I've never considered it this way <clears throat> and hopefully this comes out the right way. Otherwise, Mark's going to edit all this out. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you think of sales, you're trying to understand your customer, understand their pain point so you can connect with them. Same thing with all the, who am I talking to? I need to understand them. I need to understand their pain point. Now we're not selling them anything, right? It's like, but it's it's sales. It's mm -hmm. connecting. It's understanding. And just because it's not my experience, it, does, it may be different than my experience or my beliefs or my values. That doesn't mean it's not true and real, right? Yeah. Because I've experienced it doesn't mean like my experience is not their experience or their experience or it was, it was just it was just mine. Um, and I think for you know most of us, we just go through life, um, just going through the motions. And it's, it's, we're just accidental. We just don't pay attention. Oh, we didn't, oh, I had no clue that you experienced that. And I was even near you, you know, didn't know you experienced that. And so it's, it's just that awareness of everyone. And we, we tend to treat um, behaviors rather than symptoms of behaviors. Mm -hmm. Like I said, if some, somebody may come on the, on the Zoom call stressed out, we're like, man, they were disconnected. And well, then maybe they were up all night with a kid, right? Like I said, sick, sick kid, whatever, didn't sleep. Um, well, let's figure out why, why they are the way they are, why they're acting the way they're acting, what's caused it. And how can we help it serve it, understand it, as opposed to just ignoring it, moving past it, you know, treating a, a bad behavior? Um, no, that's that's really good. I think that you know, one thing that seems yeah. really like um, super important to me, probably to everybody. I think we're all well, pretty well intended in general. Is like you just said, you know, you got a manager, leader, whoever hopping on with four people, and their buckets might be empty. That leader's bucket needs to stay really full because there's a lot of siphoning coming out of it every day. And I'm not saying there's whiny people in the world. People need more than they needed. I think the average person needs more or different than they've needed. So my, my commitment to our leadership team is I want to fill their bucket. I want to do everything I can to well-intendedly and genuinely fill their bucket because there's lots of stuff pulling out of it. And if I fill their bucket, ideally it's helping fill the next bucket, next bucket, next bucket. <laughs> Because we're all challenged. Everybody's got just new challenges. But there's also tons of fun stuff, I think, going on, like your marble stuff. That I wonder if that would have happened without COVID-19. I mean, 
Oh, that's right. And that's the other thing is like, there's so many things that we wouldn't know about like, and, and perspective matters, right? Like you see what you look for. for. Sure. If I want to see the negative, like I can find yeah. plenty of negative and it's there obviously. And it's not about being ignorant to negativity or, or things that are going wrong, but it's like, what do you look for? That's going to shape the story that you live and the actions that you take. Um, so when, when with this question, she just said a really great point. Um, I, and I think you're 100% spot on. The leader's job is to fill the buckets of their people. Um, not all their people, right? Like that's, that's a burden. So how many people are, let's just let's break this down for example. How many people are um, on the from now on team? 16. Okay. How many are on the CRI team? 180. Uh, over yeah. 150, 180. Yeah. None of those crossover, right? Or is there a little bit of crossover? Finance and accounting and HR. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you've essentially got 180, 190 people technically under your leadership. You can't lead 180, 190, 200 people, right? It's like, that's, that's a burden. That's not your job. A football coach cannot lead 180 players. Um, an athletic director cannot lead 400 employees and 400 students. That's not your job. You, you know, the beginning, your job is a visionary piece, right? Here's where we're going. How can I help? Like you're the visionary. They're the integrators, right? Like you're, you've got the vision. They're going to integrate and make everything happen. Um, so your job is really to lead those core people, your leadership team, you fill their buckets, they fill the next bucket. They fill it. So it, that it multiplies on down. So that the people at the bottom are getting the same experience as much as possible as those at the top. Right. Cause usually culture dilutes as it goes down. Right. Yeah. Those at the bottom are not getting, like, you can ask them, what are the values? You're going to a very different answer at the top of leadership chain at the bottom. Cause usually it's, it's very diluted. It's like, yeah, that's just a, that's a code or a phrase to us. We don't get to experience it. The closer you get to the leader that like, Oh man, we live it. We talk about it. Um, but the more you intentionally fill that bucket of those closest to you, they're going to fill it on down, but that can't happen if your bucket isn't filled, right? Mm -hmm. You can't give what you don't possess. So if you're empty, you're not filling anybody's buckets and try as much as you want. You're burnout. You're, you're done. Yeah. You're toast. Um, which again, that's going to multiply to people, right? So then if you can't fill their buckets, they're not filling anybody's buckets. Um, so how do you always, but especially in, in this season, how do you, how do you keep a filled bucket? How do you stay rested? How do you stay healthy? How do you stay full, positive, whatever, however you want to phrase it? How do you make sure your bucket is filled so that you can adequately serve those that you lead? Yeah, that's a great question. I'd love to hear that from so many people. Wouldn't you just love to have a panel of people just answer that question? I'm a really big manage my mindset person. Like I'm in charge. I overcome this. This is mine to choose every day when I get out of bed. How do I want to have my day? How do I want to live my life? Who, what, what am I on this earth to do? Serve others every minute, every day, give all I got. And so there's um, a couple things and somebody on our leadership team was just talking about this. I love, everybody needs something to look forward to. It might be, we're going to barbecue ribs Friday. Hey, it might be, we're going to all pitch a tent in the yard. It could be big or small to me. It doesn't matter. We're looking forward to something together and we're talking about it. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people are trying to do takeout a couple times and maybe that's their look forward to it thing. So for me, something to look forward to, I'm fueled by others buckets. So if I can get some buckets full, mine's naturally full. Cause I, I am genuinely a giver. I, I, I gain from others, but there's a, another thing that I learned years ago from a coach, go big and fig. And you were kind of talking to this, Kevin, I think we're of the same language, go big. So begin in gratitude every morning end fig finishing gratitude. So like you're saying, I can get out of bed and I can be mad and I can justify it by nine o'clock, 20 times. Did you see the news? It's windy. That bird hit the window. Can you believe my dog barked? I could by nine o'clock. De definitely. I could just 
win that contest. But if I choose, which I do every day, I start my day every day in fig, uh, or bi- go big, b- beginning gratitude, that I'm going to find 20 things today that I'm grateful for. So that bird hit in the window, I'm now happy about it. How cool that bird, did you see it was so close? My dog barked, I love that I'm working with my dog. I never get to work with my dog. Or, you know, whatever, do you see the news? I get to see the news. So I don't mean to sound like goofy or whatever, but I, I, I live that way every day, man. It's up to me to make it fun, to look for things I'm grateful for. And if you're, we're all somewhat competitively mindseted. I, I know us three are. So if I'm gonna look for things all day long that I'm happy with, I'm not going to be mad there's three red cars and I just bought a red car. I'm going to be like, look at how many people love red cars. And I know, you know, we've all read about this stuff. We all take this, I call it eating our own dog food, you know, just looking for the great things in the day. And then when you finish at night and you count those things and 20 sounds like seriously, but if you do five, it's like you wake up in the morning, you're like, it's sunny. I get to wear tennis shoes. You know, that's phoning it in. Let's go for 20. Let's go for 30. So trying to keep my, my mindset full. I also think, I don't mean to quote things, but I, we all learned something from somebody else. Somebody once uh, years ago in a book said, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've talked about this in some of your stuff I've heard, Kevin and Mark. And so you got to choose who you're spending time with right now. And in some of it, you can't. So you better add those that you know you need around you to keep your wings out there and just flying through the air. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of go big and fig. I choose my mindset and I really am, careful who I spend time with. Like I was looking forward to seeing you guys today because you guys are such a positive growth forward um, group that this is great to have on my schedule. So I appreciate, you know, you guys including me. Yeah, no, we, we talk about that a lot. That gratitude is really a difference maker. So love that. Love the uh, fig and fig. So appreciate that. And appreciate you taking the time, Sue. We enjoyed this, made our day a lot better and uh, gave us some, some great things to think about and some, some great challenges. So appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you guys for allowing me to join you today. I, I really enjoyed it and look forward to seeing you in the future. Yeah, no, we we talk about that a lot. That gratitude is really a difference maker. So love that. Love the uh, fig and fig. So appreciate that and appreciate you taking the time, Sue. We enjoyed this, made our day a lot better, and uh, gave us some some great things to think about and some some great challenges. So appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you guys for allowing me to join you today. I, I really enjoyed it and look forward to seeing you in the future. So there it is, uh, episode 43. Really enjoyed this conversation with Sue. Um, hope you had your notebook out and were taking some notes. There was just so many good things to take away uh, from this, this conversation. So many things I think we can all incorporate a little bit better to our organizations, whether you're you know, running a business or two, as Sue is, or you're just somebody who's you know, getting their start and trying to build a better culture, trying to develop themselves as a leader. Uh, just so much good stuff uh, in here. What, what stood out for you, Kevin? Oh, good grief, everything. Um, truth, like I mean, everything she said was like yes, yes, like that. That's it. Um, just her perspective, and I, and I think you know, it's one. I think she and I have very similar personalities, so that there's kind of a, a connection with that that I that I want to cheer on. But it's leaders define culture, and we say it over and over and over again. And she defines the culture uh, of both CRI and and from now on. Um, and I don't think it's a I don't think it's an accident that both those organizations are doing well. Um, she she like wakes up and just is optimistic. She's positive. She's caring. But I, but I love even the phrase that they use of get it great. And it, it became such a 
thing, like this living thing with inside their organization. Like it's not a phrase. Um, they live it. She wanted to change it because they just kind of change things, which is again part of, probably part of her personality. She likes change. Like, no, no, no this is who we are. Uh, and so I think the way that she has intentionally created culture that empowers people to wake up and, and make a difference. Like she wants people to wake up and say, I'm a part of something. Um, I believe in something. I'm going to be productive and contribute to something. And it's like, who doesn't want to work for an organization like that? Um, who doesn't want to work for a leader like that? And it's that, you know, culture is always this really fuzzy thing. Everyone kind of talks about nobody gets, uh, but it's like, it's, it's when you do that and she's clearly done it well, um, that's what leads to great execution. Uh, that's, how, that's how you actually create, like get it great. It's like, they got the culture great, so they get the execution part great. They get the communication and the relationships great, and so they get they get the sales and revenue part great. Uh, so I just thought it was it was just a really fun episode. I think the the biggest thing, as I've said all that, that stood out um, was the very end. Talk of this phrase of go big and in fig, right? Begin in gratitude, finish in gratitude, and so this idea like you own your mindset. Um, your mindset is fully up to you. It is your control, and whatever's in your mind is going to come out in words and actions. And so she starts her day, she's like, I'm gonna find 20 things today to be grateful for. And and then she ends the day with gratitude, beginning gratitude, finishing gratitude. And to your phrase that it's stuck in my head, this entire COVID season has become my, my favorite phrase, what's the alternative? Like, man, that seems crazy that, what's the alternative? To be negative, to be pessimistic, to be worried, to be stressed out. Now, so again, she wants, she has an outcome in mind. She's intentional to create it. Yeah, it's really process oriented, right? Which is another thing we've probably talked about um, almost every episode. You know that you you focus on those little wins each day that results at the end with satisfied customers and and people saying, you know, I really like working with these guys. And you know, I agree. I I, I mentioned it briefly on the show. I was out there uh, back when I worked with New Line, and we were talking about you know doing some projects together. And we had uh, some other clients out in that area. So we stopped by and spent a little bit of time with Sue and her team um, in the office. And I remember that phrase, um, you know, they get it great. And it was up everywhere. But I also remember the people, uh, she had some great team members, some some friends of the podcast, like Riley McClure, who, uh, who who listens and talks to me a lot. And, you know, it, it's not just a it's not just a slogan. It's not just a thing they put on the wall. It's something that they, they really live. And you can kind of feel it when you're around their people, which is at the end of the day, the, the big test, right? So I thought that, that uh that kind of focus on process and then i love the gratitude thing as well you know we talk about it all the time too but ending in that and and beginning in it and you have the the choice to make you know you can always decide how you react to something you can't decide what happens you can't decide if there's going to be a global pandemic you can't decide if there's a you know a, a crash of the stock market and a huge problem for your industry you know for me Right now, we're working. I work in the ticketing world. You know, there's not a lot of events. I can't control that, but I can control how we react to it. And I think that's that's really what you know. There's so many things to take out of this conversation, but that's really what what the big one is for me. Yeah, there's been a conversation we've had a lot in our office recently about design to deliver. Right, if if you're going to put on an event, what's the point? And like, I can just show up and speak just by by nature. Like, that's a that's a, a natural strength of mine. But what do I want to actually deliver? Like, what do I want people to get? Well, I've got to design my talk to deliver something. I've got to design a retreat. Um, we're putting together a retreat for, for some folks. Like, how are we going to design that to deliver, not just show up and, and hope for the best? And it's like, it feels like to the, to the point of the process, like she knows what she wants to deliver as, as a leader, as an individual, uh, as a culture, as an organization. And so she designs it in order to deliver that, that outcome. And so it's just really impressive. Again, she's just, she's intentional. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I would suggest probably listening to that, honestly, two to three times because there was a lot of notes in there, a lot of things to take away that that aren't just fluff, but you can actually 
implement immediately into, into your organization. Um, so thanks for hanging out. Episode 43 of the Sports Leadership Podcast. From Mark Hodgkin, I'm Kevin DeShazo. Uh, we'll see you guys next time.